the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the first Sunday of Advent for the week of December 1st, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I am excited because happy new church year. We are in a new cycle this year. Now we're going through the majority of Matthew's text here over the next year, and I'm excited to dig into it. I'm excited to look at these texts and dig into these texts, and I think it's just a really fun week to really get into that and be planning, contemplating, thinking about what does it mean coming from Matthew's gospel on what are we meaning? What are we what is this Jesus guy all about? And then for me, on a week-to-week basis, how does this tie in a faith and science component? And I think that's really fun. That's really exciting. And I'm excited to dig into that. So before we do that, we have to do our shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, having seminary professors, since I am not an ordained minister... It gives me some direction on a week-to-week basis on how to approach these texts to give you some insight from a scientific perspective. So I have to go to the theology people to be able to bring that to you. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, it's a great resource, and I'd highly recommend checking it out. Second of all, if you haven't checked out God Friended Me on CBS on Sunday nights, I'd highly recommend it. I really enjoy it. I think this last week where they suddenly had one of their stories not have the type of resolution that we have come to expect with that type of show, these happy endings, I think it starts to show the human side of the show where it's just much more real, where there's sometimes that God tells us to do something and we don't necessarily fully understand why in the current moment. It doesn't look like it. So I'm really excited for that going forward and what's going to happen with that. And finally, before we jump into this week's text, we have to look back at last week's Twitter question, which is where have you persecuted to later find out you were drastically wrong? And I found a really interesting answer from one of our loyal listeners this last week. And he brought it around to the idea of people, that there's a lot of times that we're really quick to judge or we might be quickly intimidated by people. And then when we come to spend more time with them and get to know them, that some of our quick judgments or our quick assumptions were drastically wrong. And I know for myself, I think there's a lot of times where that's the case and we are really quick to judge at times, quick to make assumptions, and it's probably somewhat our human DNA to have these quick assumptions, but yet we're told to love in the same breath. So it also means at times we need to be able to put aside these quick judgments to be able to get to the heart of what is actually going on. So I think it's just a really interesting question, and I think in a way it really gets us thinking about Advent. The thing I really like about Advent, like I discussed last week, is that we are remembering and preparing for Christ coming the first time and the second time. And I think this week, it really goes into that into a deeper level. I think there's a lot of complexities with this text, and initially it can look a bit challenging, a little bit daunting, a little bit dark, but there's a lot of light that does come out of this text. The other thing that as I was thinking about this, especially if you are in some type of preaching context, because of the season that we're in and what we're going for, 
I think of the song early in the movie Godspell of Prepare Ye the Way of the Lord. And I think that's an interesting way to think about Advent, is that we are preparing for Christ entering, but I think it's also preparing for him coming back and preparing ourselves. If we knew that Christ was coming tomorrow, what would we be doing? And technically, we should be preparing every day like it's the last day, but yet still continuing to trust that if we are given another day, there there are still more things we can prepare for. So let's get into this week's gospel. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. So note that we're beginning here toward the end of Matthew's gospel, right at the beginning of this year. And I really like this first verse because I think it's something that we often kind of get caught up in, in the world and culture that we're in. But about the day and the hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. That we're not knowing when this is coming. But then it goes into this idea that there's... There were days when people went into the ark and others were swept away. And yet there will be a time coming when people will be together and one will be taken and one will be left. And I know I was in discussions this week on are the ones taken the ones that are going to heaven or the ones left the ones being saved. And I think there's interesting theological discussion, but I don't know if it ends up really going anywhere. And I think it's one of those things where... It's the idea more of of preparing that we need to be looking at. But I want to say, looking at here the last few verses, I think starting in verse 42 are really important. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This idea of preparing, but I think it's also the idea of community, that there is no one person who can stay awake all day, all night. And so there's a part of trusting God, but I think there's also a point here that opens up for trusting the community at large, that we together can work on being alert, being awake. I know one of the things that was discussed this last week is when you have guard shifts, that the whole reason that you have you know watchtowers and watch shifts is that no one can stay awake and stay alert 24 hours, that there's a point where we all need to rest and that we all need to be willing and able to give up our shift so that we can rest, so that someone else can take control there for a moment for us so that we can get the rest that we need. The first reading this week is from Isaiah chapter 2 verses 1 through 5. This is now, to me, I see this as a bit of a prophecy type of text that there's all these people coming to the mountain of the Lord, the house of Jacob, and they will walk the paths that they are told of Christ. And that in this, that there shall be no judgment, that we're bringing the people together. I'm going to start here in verse 4. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall lift up sword against nation and 
neither shall learn war anymore. The idea that there isn't necessarily war amongst people, but what we have had wars against, that God is breaking that down and in a way dividing his people. But us as people aren't necessarily fighting within ourselves anymore. And that at the very end in verse 5, we are called to walk in the light of the Lord. And I think that's the idea of there is a peace that Christ brings that we're walking into. And it's a different type of understanding of what this world and what life really is that we're walking into. The psalm this week is Psalm 122. And it's an interesting psalm to me because I feel that there's a bit of two parts here. So first you're coming to the house of the Lord and talking about coming to Jerusalem and how you're bringing people together and the tribes will go up and the tribes of the Lord will descend from Israel and giving thanks to the Lord. So this idea of bringing people together to give thanks to God. And when we're at the judgment seat, then this is where we get part two, where we're praying for peace at Jerusalem and that they may prosper for those who love you and that peace will be within the walls. And so that through the prayer, through this reflection on God, that that's when we start seeing the peace and what God is striving for. The second reading is coming out of Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. This is definitely a text that we can hear it for the people that it was originally intended for, but it's also somewhat the longing of our own heart. And I think it's at times not getting so consumed with this thought that we end up missing the point. So let me explain this. We get that coming from the end of verse 11 here, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. This idea that we, through our work and continuation of the faith and working and trying to better understand our faith and walking out the faith, not saying it's through our works, but through us practicing is probably the best word for it, that we are closer to our own salvation and closer to that day than when we first walked into it. And that we are laying aside these things of works of darkness, these ideas and things that really don't bring forth any new fruit or growth, and that we're putting on the armor of light coming from the end of verse 12. And from this, that we then will be understanding more of what Christ is wanting us to do and what Christ is pushed forth for us to be able to better understand what his role is in our lives as we move forward. A lot of texts this week about division, in a way, dividing the faithful from the unfaithful, And one of the discussions that I really had that was interesting this week about these texts is if you had someone new walking into your church that week for the first time, what in here is hopeful? And it's easy initially with going over the scope here to see this as all negative, see this as dividing people, see this as almost a brag-worthy text of because I have faith, because I walk it out, I am saved, and woe to you who who don't practice. 
And I think that's the temptation. That's the thing like what we get out of the Romans reading that is very cautious because it's really easy to say, I know my Lord is coming soon. And so thus I'm going to prepare just for that and get caught up in that instead of understanding that God's definition of time is different than our definition of time and has proven that time and time again. I think then there's a point where we can't just get caught up in that. It's the idea of preparing, and part of that preparing is being willing to share our faith. But I think then when you contemplate and look at this text further, what does it really mean to prepare? What does it really mean to constantly be on alert? What does it mean to be able to look to my neighbor, trust that they have the watch at this time, while I'm resting. What does that mean? And as I was contemplating this, trying to figure out how does this come together with science, there was one section of the verse in the first reading coming from Isaiah that I thought was really powerful, and I think we can make this really work well. And it's coming from kind of the midpoint of verse 4. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Obviously, when I think of a sword, I think of it as a defense mechanism. But yet, based off of how sharp it is, it would be able to be beat into some type of plow to plow a field quite well. And when I think of a spear, I think of, again, something sharp, something strong, but yet, It could make a really good pruning hook if bent into a hook shape. And that got me thinking about there is modern relevance to this right now. There are plenty of different, specifically military inventions that have changed our lives as civilians also. So this idea that the military to me and how I perceive them not being a military person myself, but having military in my family, they are the closest thing to trying to be always on guard and always prepared as possible. We think about the training and the different abilities and skills that they acquire to prepare to defend whatever country that they're a part of. And that often means that part of that advantage, part of that preparing, is there better technology? Is there better ways that we can do something? So I did find some lists this week of some different things that have been from the military that have been passed down to civilians. And I just found it really interesting. And I think it's a good thought process to think about with these texts. So one of the first ones actually being the internet. Again, initially for research, being able to communicate from computer to computer and to be able to pass information. And now if you are even receiving this podcast and listening to it, it's thanks to the internet and the common everyday use of it that we're able to share our ideas freely throughout the world fairly quickly. Another one would be GPS. 
that initially this was used for working to be able to better have satellites to be able to communicate with wherever they were, much less to be able to have more direct strikes with whatever type of missile or, or even some type of gun that you would do. And now, if you think about it, this has moved into our everyday life. I know for me, with Thanksgiving being this week, and I know the Christmas holidays, it's a time of a lot of travel. And a lot of travel means it's good to have a good GPS system via your phone, via a GPS in your car. These are all over the place now. And how that's totally transformed how we travel throughout the world. Duct or duct tape, depending on what you want to use originally from World War II, trying to find some type of adhesive that could stick things together. And now it's become like the be-all, end-all man tool, if you want to put it that way, because of the properties that it has of resisting water and dirt and just the strength qualities that it has. It seems like everybody has one of these. Drones, again, as we've talked about before with combination of GPS, drones have really helped with, again, being able to directly target in military warfare where you're wanting to have some type of strike. But this has totally transformed photography, videography, and just even leisure. There's a lot of people who try these for competitions in the general public and just being able to take something, a camera like that, and get up and so we can see more of our environment at a broader scale than we can see without getting into a hot air balloon or a plane or something like that. It is really cool. And again, we can thank our military for that. Weather radar and radar in general being utilized to better understand where planes were, especially in World War II. And now these are heavily depended upon for just being able to predict the weather and being able to, when we're traveling, have an idea of what we're traveling into. Uh, side note, what's really cool with these is that migration, actually, of birds can also be picked up on radar. Microwaves, we've heard about these before coming from World War II and noticing that these microwaves, these small waves, could be used to rapidly heat food. Now, most American kitchens, for sure, have some type of microwave in the kitchen just to help warm up food and make food preparation easier. Digital cameras were used early on for aerial and being able to spy on the enemy. And thus, now it's become to the point where it's not even DSLRs and digital photography to the point where we have it on our pocket computer so we can snap a quick shot of things that are around us. And again, through military preparation. Another one is computers going from punch cards and if you've ever watched the movie Hidden Figures, you will see in that movie how they were utilizing computers even for early NASA stuff. But again, for satellites to be able to spy on opponents, much less, again, get into that communication idea. And we have computers all around us. How many of our jobs that we're listening to now are utilizing a computer? Again, if you're listening to this, you're utilizing some type of computer. 
jet engines coming out of World War II, both from the Nazi side and from the British side. And this has totally transformed how we are able to move about the world. Commercial flight and airlines technology can be credited back to, again, military resources of figuring out the jet engine. Synthetic rubber. Again, rubber production not being able to be fast enough for our military and needing some type of ruggedized rubber that we could utilize on a battlefront. And now it's part of the typical tire industry on a day-to-day basis. Super glue, believe it or not. When World War II scientists were trying to find a material to create uh, clear plastic gun sites for weapons, And they found this accident, made this super sticky substance. Military didn't see it as viable for them. And it's become amazing success as we've one of our adhesives that we use fairly consistently. The Jeep, do I need to say much on it? Jeep being kind of a military vehicle and now being utilized in a brand that many people will use on a consistent basis for their daily transportation. Canned foods, being able to preserve foods comes from the idea of military use, being able to figure out how we can save and preserve foods longer. This even goes into dehydrating foods. And thus, now how much of our supermarket is canned foods and being able, through the benefit of canning and preservation, having foods that are way out of season whenever we want, be it a blessing or a curse. Penicillin, figuring out how to heal people on the battlefield, help to figuring out how to find this amazing, beautiful drug that inhibits bacterial growth, but yet it's still still used common every day. Wrist watches or watch, being able to synchronize battlefront maneuvers and being able to communicate and be able to be precise with time. And now this is typical everyday life, again, to the point of having it on our phone, synchronized by satellites. Walkie-talkies, beginning of early communication over some distance without yelling. And now, if you think about it, walkie-talkies are used on building projects consistently. And you could even argue that modern cell phones is essentially the expansion of this idea. Night vision, again, coming out of World War II, the development of devices to be able to see further at night, being able to try to be able to see the enemy. And now this has been taken in by different camera companies into modern cars, being able to see when we're backing up and just better understanding how to even photograph at night coming from that idea. Sanitary napkins, again, coming out of this idea originally invented by Benjamin Franklin to help stop wounds in soldiers and was later adapted to help more with women's needs. Jetpacks, again, the idea of coming from the military to be able to propel people into the air. And this has been something that civilians tinker around with to this day. I brought up freeze-drying food originally coming from World War II, being able to freeze-dry things and being able to use them later. EpiPens is another one where trying to be able to have so that when you're in chemical warfare zones initially that they could have some type of 
quick shot, essentially a nerve agent to help offset some of the different things, which has been forwarded into modern technology of EpiPens. And I'll attach it down below. There's a couple more here, blood banks and transfusions, space program just in general, to simple things like aviator sunglasses or ambulances. If we think about all these different things, it's the idea of being prepared that ended up benefiting us in some other form or fashion and pushing the idea that we, through preparation, we were ready for, in this case, war, sadly, but through also that preparation, we were able to have different things that made life easier in a lot of ways. And if we think about being prepared for Christ, there's a lot of ways that when we are preparing ourselves for Christ and we go through this process of what does it mean to be prepared for Christ and each of us is going to be different and continuing to work on our faith and chisel at this, it means that our faith life will get in certain ways easier. Certain things will just become habit. Certain things will be able to just happen easier. And I would argue from different times in my life, and I think many people, when we spend those times consistently with God, it becomes easier just to hear what he is saying to us on a day-to-day basis. And often we lose that ability based off that we're busy. And I would argue in a way, myself included, that it's because we aren't spending enough time truly preparing for Christ. Preparation isn't easy. Preparation isn't necessarily always fun. But yet we think about different things that we prepare for, like a marathon. Yeah, sure. You could go and just run a marathon now. And a lot of this, there's ways that we could figure out how to complete it. But yet, if we prepare for it, we maybe don't have as much pain afterwards. We probably have a better time. We're probably better ready for it than if we just hopped out and decided to run 26.2 miles today. Preparation is important. Preparation is something that we don't necessarily always see as important, but we know is important. And in science, it's one of the biggest things that we try looking at and considering. Many major mistakes in science take the Columbia disaster after the Columbia disaster with re-entry that it was blowing up, we then had to reevaluate and look at our processes and realize that there was a part of the storm shield, a piece of foam that essentially had been damaged in the launch. So it was doomed when it re-entered. And looking at how do we build this better? How do we make this better? How do we take this negative and turn it into something positive that we learned so that we don't have a tragedy like that again? And there's a lot of times in life and in faith, we have to be looking for those. We have to be preparing and taking different events that go on in our lives to prepare for when Christ is coming back. And prepare for ourselves for this moment of when Christ entered the world and forever changed history. I think there's a point where we forget that around Christmas, especially around the commercialization of it. So take some time this week and think about that. How can I prepare? So the Twitter question this week will be, how can I prepare for Christ? How can I prepare myself for the rest of my life? How am I prepared? 
I think it's a deep question. It's a hard question. But if we're going back to what God's bill said, prepare ye the way of the Lord. How are we preparing the way for the Lord? There's a lot of answers to that. A lot of difficult answers to that. A lot of things I know for myself that I can improve upon to be better prepared for the Lord. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science and happy new church year.